Tired of toxic, boring, or dead-end relationships? Feeling lonely or clueless when it comes to love? Need a fresh perspective? Well, you found it. This is Romancipation, a podcast that challenges conventional ideas about sex, love, dating, and mating. Hosts Marley and Lise offer candid and provocative advice about what it takes to find the partner you deserve. It's time to rethink your approach to your love life. Take charge and get romancipated. Today's topic is a healthy relationship can be had at any age. So I think this is something that I hear a lot from friends of mine as we've been aging, especially as they have children Mm -hmm. who are starting to enter into romantic relationships. And it's interesting to me because I think that there's some people who are in the camp that says you need to be a certain age and have a certain amount of maturity to have a healthy relationship. And like wisdom comes with age kind of thing. Yeah. And then there are other people that are in a camp that's sort of like, well, you know, if you've had a lot of bad relationships, you're almost like damaged to the point that you can't have a healthy relationship. Wow. Yeah. And I'm going to say I disagree with both of those. I think that as people age, hopefully they mature, they evolve. Not always. But that also doesn't mean that people that are young at the beginning of like their teens or young adult lives can't have very healthy, loving, and high-functioning intimate relationships. I really, no, listen, I was going to say, I love that point. And I was going to ask you, I don't feel like it's taught enough at home. I mean, listen, like what you see is what you get, right? Like kids emulate what they see at home. And I feel like they take that into their young relationships. As, I think that we can go even further than that, than the scripts okay, that they're learning that. from like the adults in their right. life. I think that successful relationships aren't per se based on age or experience. I think they're based on a mutual respect, trust, admiration for your partner. Love is great, but it's never enough. It just isn't. It doesn't matter if the people are technically in love or what that even means. I think that when there's mutual respect, when there's trust, when there's admiration, when there's communication, that's when you're going to have the basis of a very healthy and I think fulfilling relationship. And that can happen at any age. And sometimes if you come from a dysfunctional family, if anything, you want to behave opposite of what you're seeing. Sometimes you mimic exactly what you see. It depends on how conscious you are and who your partner is. If you attract a person who's dysfunctional and you're dysfunctional, the dysfunction is just going to keep getting magnified. But if a dysfunctional person attracts a functioning person, that functioning person can sometimes open the doors. And open their eyes. And open their eyes. That's all I'm saying. And the truth is, I do think that often older people who've been through rough times or abusive relationships, they do see themselves as damaged or incapable or even unworthy, which I think Mm -hmm. is really sad of a healthy relationship, but it's just not true. I need people to hear this. It is not true. Any person who's willing to be open, who's willing to have self-awareness, work on issues that they've identified as being a negative in their Mm -hmm. past or a deal breaker in a prior relationship, they can move on to have a healthy, balanced relationship where they feel fulfilled, where their needs are being met. Well, to me, that's almost as though they have to do that work themselves first. You have to learn to love yourself first, and you have to learn to understand what it is that you need to build a healthy relationship. 
Yeah. If you've come from like a dysfunctional past or you've consistently picked bad partners, that is something that's internal to you that you're not feeling satisfied with something in yourself. I know we have a podcast about this, but the fact is, yes, sometimes the problem is you. We've said that before. You are the one who's in the driver's seat. You are the one who is making the decision as to what relationship you're going to get into, how you're going to allow somebody to treat you. It is really about you. So I think you made a very valid point. Relationships do take two to tango, but each person has to take the personal responsibility of who they are and what they're bringing to that relationship and how they themselves and their behaviors are impacting that relationship. So it's two holes coming together. It's not a half coming together to make a whole. And I think that's where a lot of people make the big mistake. They think, oh, it's two halves that have to come together. No, it's two holes that come together. Two whole people, not half people, whole people. I also think that our definition of what a healthy relationship is changes as we age, as we evolve. Well, because the dynamic and the amount, right? Like when you're starting off in your teens and you have a relationship, this was actually what I was going to say is it just shifts, right? Like the amount, like you cohabitate, you get married, you have kids, like all of those dynamics shift what the relationship will potentially look like and what you need. But I think I'm going to go back to the teenage self because I'm still thinking about this because I actually completely agree with you. You can have a healthy relationship at any age. I think, however, when you're just starting out, how do we build? Because I do think you have to help a teenage self like understand certain things about trust and about making sure that you put yourself into this relationship and you give yourself because you're giving a part of your personality and you're growing. And self-respect is so important at that age to teach. And I don't think that kids necessarily have all of these tools naturally in them because I still think that they're developing and trying to figure out who they are as a person. And I don't think that all of those things come naturally to them. I would agree with you. But unfortunately, that's why you have so many people that start in unhealthy relationships and, and that continue was going to be my relationships. Right. So how do we help them? To me, it's like, how do you teach somebody well, to I, understand those things? Well, I mean, they I mean be healthy. that's a big ask. That's number one. It's a million and dollar question. That's, that right? is a big ask. And yeah. that is something I don't think we can fully address in the scope of this particular <laughs> podcast. So we're going to circle back to that. But I mean, sort of the short answer yes. to that would be, we are as a society, always trying to send messages of what we value. And we as a society need to be really aware of how those messages are impacting our children. Yeah. So our female children are getting messages that we value their beauty. They're getting the message we value their sexuality. They're getting the message we value their passivity. And for our male children, they're getting the message, we value their athleticism. We value their strength. We value their willingness to be brave, to challenge, to try something new, to be innovative. Mm -hmm. And so as a result, you can see how when those values that trickle down from society into families and then into kids, how 
a young female might think that her value in a relationship really does come from her budding sexuality and how a male might think that his value comes from being more the person who's directing the relationship because he should be the one who's taking charge. And that's a big mistake. And you see how it results. It results in a lot of really messed up relationships and a lot of really messed up people. What I can say to you is in terms of what's healthy, everybody would argue differently, I think, as to what they think are healthy things that should be passed on to their children. But I do think that relationships tend to reflect the values of society. And part of what we're trying to do with romancipation is we're challenging some of society's held views as to how males and females should behave, particularly in a relationship. And that's part of the goal of romancipation is if you're wondering why following the sort of traditional ideas haven't been working for you, this might be a light bulb moment for you. I don't know. It might not be. But these are the types of things that we're going to keep addressing, sometimes at a larger societal level, sometimes at a much more intimate personal level. But ultimately, these are great questions. These are questions that people need to be asking themselves. What is giving me the tools to be able to have a happy and a healthy relationship? And I can tell you right now, the internet is not the tool. The tool. (laughs) If anything, it is becoming very destructive in human interpersonal relationships. Because it's a highlight reel. I mean, there's so much. I mean, there's so so much information. Reasons why. You're right. No, I mean, the list could go on and on, right? Because anybody can find something out there that agrees with something that they believe or that they're saying. So rather than putting yourself out there and challenging, is this the right way to think? Is this the wrong way to think? Like, is there something else out there? I mean, look, it is. It's a hard, it's a hard time. As adults who've lived a lot of life and been pretty darn successful in it in our romantic relationships, for any person who's listening, this is what I'm telling you. A very strong and healthy and mutually beneficial relationship is built on the foundations of mutual respect, trust, strong communication, and admiration. Note that love is not in there. I love love. Love is great. But love is different for different people. And I'm just going to say, You can have an incredible relationship and have a lot of love that another person would not see as love. Mutual respect, trust, mutual admiration, strong communication. These are the four cornerstones of a strong and healthy relationship. Agreed. It's venting time with Marley and Lise. It's that time. When Lisa and I get to vent our frustrations over commonly experienced issues in romantic relationships. Today's topic, when people allow their partner to control who they hang out with. Ugh. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a big ick, but yeah. If you don't mind, I'm going to go first. Please do. This, I think, is a very serious vent. So I just want our listeners to understand that we're coming from a very serious place. Yeah. I'm going to start off by saying it is a huge red flag. It is a sign of an abusive relationship. Yep. It should not be tolerated in a relationship. Nope. It is due 
to severe insecurity on the part of the person who is calling the shots. Yep. It is often associated with jealous behavior, which is dangerous and not flattering. If a person allows it because they think it's a sign of love, they are greatly mistaken. It is an attempt to cut you off from a support system. Yeah. The only time that this would be acceptable is if it is a situation where you are supporting your partner through an addiction and the people that you are trying to stop them from hanging out with are individuals that trigger that addiction, whether it's drugs, drinking, gambling, something that has had a very harmful impact on your partner and your family. That's a really good point. And actually, I did not think of that, but that's a really excellent point. So let me hear yours. I'm going to start by saying that this is a blatant sign of control and manipulation. Yes. But I kind of want to take my vent in a direction of how people may have gotten here, because I actually think that people get to this place and sometimes they don't even realize that they've been manipulated. Yes. I've had friends that have been flattered by a partner's jealousy to begin with in the beginning. They viewed it as endearing and kind of a sign of how much this person loved them or cared about them or was attracted to them. And then it became more intense and became scary and possessive. So to me, it's kind of like you get to these places and you don't even realize it. Sometimes it becomes easier for the person to just accept it because they get so tired of arguing that they should be allowed to go out with these people or visit their family or do these things that they just end up relenting. Yes. And just rather than getting into this argument, they become more passive about it. Their partner might not respect your need for alone time or time with other people. And it's another way of zapping your strength and making you feel guilty for time that you need on your own, potentially to recharge or to go out and do things aside from them that you enjoy doing without them present. These people will use it as a guilt tool and many controlling people are skilled manipulators and making their partner's own emotions work in their favor, trying to like turn it around and make them feel guilty about wanting to do something. So I kind of feel like the bottom line is when somebody is trying to control you, it's never coming from a place or love, but it's actually the opposite. They're fearful. They're fearful of losing you. They're fearful of not being able to control you. And controlling behavior and manipulation are toxic and never align with an open and honest communication, which is what a healthy relationship is all about. That's right. Listen, you nailed it. And I think it's critical that people understand that. There is a big difference between not liking somebody's friend or family member because you don't get along with them. That's right. But here's the deal. Your partner has every right to hang out with that person. And if the individual that you feel is somehow toxic to your relationship It's got to be your partner that recognizes that and ends the relationship. You can't demand it. You can't insist on it. The only thing you can do is act on your own behalf, right? Self-preservation. Right. Exactly. So if you feel there is a person that your partner is spending too much time with and you think it's a threat to your relationship and you are clear about your reasons and they're actually justified and your partner doesn't want to listen to you, or dismisses you, that is a big message to you that maybe this is not the relationship for you. But you do not get to dictate to another person. Lisa and I want to thank you so much for joining us this week. To view the complete show notes and a recap of today's podcast, or to learn more about us, 
visit www.romantipation.com. Before you go, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can receive notifications of new episodes right when they're released. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you're enjoying the podcast, please let us know by leaving a five-star review on Apple or a five-star rating on Spotify. Reviews let Apple know that great listeners like you enjoy our show, and that helps us expand our audience. Thanks again, and stay romancipated.